Happy Wednesday, film nuts all over the movie planet. I'm Joe Sarah, and you are listening to the Movie Planet Review Show. Today, we're talking about 2003's Lost in Translation. With Joe. Hey, lip my stocking. Hey, lip hey. them, lip them, what? Lip them, like this. Lip them. Rip them? Lip, yes. You want me to rip your stockings? Yes, rip my stockings, please. Rip your stockings? Yes, you want please, me to rip your stockings, please, please. All right, I'm going to rip your stockings. Yes. And you tell Mr. Yes. Kazoo, you know, we had a blank. And Joel. You, you want a whiskey? This is not whiskey, this is iced tea. If you gave me a real whiskey. I need more mysterious and... Uh, more mysterious, yeah. I, I'll just try to think, where the hell's the whiskey? Yeah. For relaxing times. Make it sanitary time. Wasn't hard to find sound bites. Yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, hey, welcome to the Movie Planet. <clears throat> Joining me is the Charlotte to my Bob Harris. Ooh. Yes, Joe. Well, it's your it's your body, man. It, Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> welcome back, brother. How are you doing? I'm doing well. It is hot outside. <laughs> it is damn hot. I don't know if it'll be hot when this thing airs, but it is hot outside. Well, we are recording this right now, July 12th. This movie is actually going to be done in the beginning of end of August. Maybe it'll cool down. Hopefully, it's, it will. It's unbearable right now. Yeah, it ain't fun. Now, we have all the lights off, and we're sitting underneath a ceiling fan. And it's at medium speed right now. Gosh. And uh, we both have icy drinks, I think. I got yeah. an icy one. Do you? Uh, yeah, I've got, a, I got some you got yours. down here. Yeah. Well, if you want to get a hold of us, you can email us at movieplanetpodcast at gmail.com. We're also on Facebook at and Instagram and Twitter, all at the same spot, Movie Planet Pod. Done. <laughs> uh, now, it's Wednesday, July 18th, and the following movies premiered on this date. Lost in Translation in 2003, Balls of Fury in 2007, that's a ping pong movie. That's a uh, Napoleon Dynamite, isn't it? I don't know if they were involved with that one. Were they? No, no, like the actor. What was his name? John, John Heater. H- John Heater. Heater Hater. Not Bill Hater. Not Bill. John. John Heater. did one movie. Yeah, two movies. He I, did. No, Christopher Walken's in it. I know that. He did. No, he did Blades of Glory. John Balls Heater. Of Fury. Yeah. Okay. Christopher Walken's in Balls of Fury. That's right. Yeah. Uh, Imitation Game in 2014 and Wild with Reese Witherspoon in 2014. Now these four movies, none of them meet the 20-plus year requirement. It was a weird date in history. Yeah. If there was a movie that came out during on this date, it sucked. So I was like, we're not including it then. (laughs) Which is weird for summer. I guess this is the lull in just the summertime. Yeah. Because what came out this week? What would have come out? Well, this week, this week is Skyscraper. When this oh, but when this movie debuts? Well, I don't know. Ooh, that'd be a good question. Maybe that'll take the place of all these trash movies. <laughs> Perhaps. Uh, the question is: Is this movie Lost in Translation good enough to be considered a must see for adolescents today? That's gonna be a tough one. Yeah, and we'll talk about it. <laughs> well, on this show, we'll be continuing to keep track of all the movies worth your time in our Movie Planet Preserve. This is a continuation of what we did on a previous podcast called The Movie Playground, where movies are compared to others in their genre. This is a drama. And uh, in doing so, we have a drama preserve. Number one is Whiplash with an A minus. Should be a perfect day. It, it 1,000% <laughs> should be a perfect day. It's as close to a, a, an A as you could get with an 11.667. It's, yeah. it's one third away, and that one third is not here right now in it, JC. It is a JCA. <laughs> it's JCA. Uh, the number two is Castaway. That was a B plus. Mm-hmm. And then I Am Sam, which was a B. That you have you didn't nominate any of those, did you? I did not nominate any of those. I did Whiplash and JC was cast away and I am Sam. Yeah. You stay away from the drama. No, no. It's just I was always trying to fill out the other categories. Sure. And plus, I was always the one doing the franchises. Oh, I would right. nominate the Batman that's one. I would right. not, you know, so I got, I got my due in. I that should have given you guys the rest summer. of them. <laughs> yes, it was. Uh, now, the high, uh, now, the higher the grade we give this, the longer it may be staying there. Only a film with a higher grade can kick it down on its butt from the preserve in the future. So we will discuss this movie and in an hour or so we will analyze it and grade it and figure out if we need to boot a movie up. But we won't have to because there's only three. Yeah. So there you go. This is a spoiler-rich podcast, so if you haven't seen 2003's Lost in Translation, it's best if you stop right here, watch the movie, and then turn us back on to enjoy our discussion and analysis. But now that we've had that business, let's get down to business. For relaxing times, make it Centauri time. Cut, 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 cut! Uh, with intensity. Is that everything? It seemed like you said more than that. 
Well, this week we are discussing 2003's Lost in Translation, a movie made for $4 million that brought in $44.5 million domestically and $75.1 internationally. Now, is that everywhere except for America, or is that everything total? $75.1 is everywhere except America. Okay, so you add. That's yes. a word problem for you kids listening. Yeah, 44.5 plus 75.1, right? It's in at the Movie Planet Pod. <laughs> this is written and directed by Sofia Coppola, uh, starring Scarlett Johansson as Charlotte and... Uh, she was only 17. She was playing a 22-year-old, but she was only 17 during the filming of this. Which I did not know until a minute and a half ago. And makes you look at the movie a little bit differently now, doesn't it? it yeah, honestly, yes, it does. Yeah. Bill Murray as Bob Harris. And apparently, Sofia Coppola wrote the lead role specifically for Bill Murray and later said that Murray tur- if Murray turned it down, she wouldn't have done the movie. I saw that. In fact, I also read someplace that she wasn't even sure he was going to show up for the first day of filming because he'd given a verbal agreement over the phone. Yeah, and one of the other bigger directors said, like, if he gives you his word, he'll stand by it. Right. Okay. It was like a, it was a bigger probably bigger Wes director. Anderson. Yeah, it was Wes Anderson. Okay. Said, <laughs> if he tells you, he says, if he tells you he'll do it, he'll do it. Yeah. But she said, like, going up until production, she said she was like an anxious, nervous wreck because she never worked with him before. Well, yeah. She didn't know what to expect. She's like, this movie. We and they already had millions invested into it. She yeah. already had like at least one million dollars invested into the movie before Bill Murray had shown up. Yeah, that's that's a scary run right there. But when you're a Coppola, I'm sure you can afford it. Yeah, so I don't know anything. Is it her spouse that's also big in the movie? No, it's her father, Francis Ford Coppola. Okay. The Godfather movies. Okay, I was about to say, because like, when you look at her movies, Sophia Coppola movies, they, she's got like Marie Antoinette. They're all independents. Yeah. But then it, I saw back and went to Godfather Part 3. Apparently... She was an actress in it. Okay. Um Go apparently she had a good enough relationship with Bill Murray because she was involved with a very Murray Christmas that oh. Netflix did. Okay. Uh, she was a part of the Outsiders. She was somehow involved with Star Wars Episode One, The Phantom Menace. Well, Murray has said that this movie was his is his favorite. Really? This is the best one he's ever done, he says. I mean it's So explains explains why he'd want Sofia Coppola on with the a uh, very Murray yeah. Christmas. I'm gonna be honest, like, this is not this is not my favorite Bill Murray movie, but I think that's also, again, like picking children. Yeah. Um, no, your favorite is Caddyshack. Yeah, hands down. <laughs> um, but this is, like, as far as movies goes, like, maybe this is, like, pound for pound, his best actual movie. If not St. Vincent. Yeah, St. Vincent's good. Underrated. Underrated film. Underrated film. You'll hear that a few times if you go back into the archives. Yeah, if, you're wondering if, there's anybody, if there's anybody else in this movie, there is. Anna Ferris is in this, and Giovanni Ribisi as well, as, as, as inconsequential people, really. Yeah, when, when I first bought this movie, I saw it, and it was like nominated for all these Academy Awards, Just watched it for the first time, and Anna Ferris comes out of an elevator. I was like, this is not an Academy. <laughs> <laughs> Has Anna Ferris ever been in an Academy-nominated movie? I don't. 
think so? Not as a lead. <laughs> Just Friends? No. Gosh, great. I know. Uh, maybe the most underrated Christmas movie? Oh, I would think. Under. Under, okay. Underrated. As in a, okay. As in a Christmas Is movie. Is it a Christmas that movie? That people don't talk about being a Christmas movie. Like Gremlins? Yeah, I would say like Or Gremlins. Die Hard? Yeah, I would I would put it up there with Gremlins and Die Hard. Because I think we talked once about how there's Christmas movies and then there's Christmas movies that movies that take place during Christmas. Right. So And then we decided it's like, oh, Charlie Brown's the only Christmas movie. Yeah, out yeah. There. We came down to that because it's, <laughs> we just wanted to stop arguing for forty five yeah. minutes. <laughs> uh and the country of Japan as well, Japan. Yeah. And uh, it is very much a character in itself in this movie. It is. It's been a lot. Of, it's, it, it, I'm guessing it gets more screen time than anybody else. Yeah. <laughs> uh, according to the top critics at Rotten Tomatoes, it is a tomato meter rating of 98%. That's 43 fresh reviews and one asshole. <laughs> <laughs> one rotten tomato. Uh, the critics on average gave this film an 8.4 out of 10. And the audience, which is your casual group that goes to the theater, well, they weren't as forgiving. They gave it a 3.6 out of 5 with 85% agreeing it's a 3 or higher. Okay. So usually when you see like these independent movies, critics usually get a higher grade. And then when you get the blockbusters like Transformers, the audience gives a higher grade. Yeah. And also, I'm sure a lot of the audience went to see a laugh out loud Bill Murray movie as well. Expecting that. It, there are a lot of very funny parts in this, but it's with a lot of depressing parts. too. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, let's get in the making of this movie. Don't get on the set, get ready to shoot, and then ask for rewrites. Studios do this crap all the time, and they wonder why they end up with a shit movie. Smoke and mirrors, guys. Welcome to the movie factory. Movie? You know, I hate the word movie. I don't make movies. I make films. So Bob and Charlotte actually never introduced themselves to each other in this movie. Oh, wow. They There's really never a moment where I'm Bob, I'm Charlotte. Huh. That changes something. I mean, That's... Like... <laughs> I'm just they they meet at the bar at the beginning several times, but they never actually introduce each other. That's interesting. That's an interesting piece of trivia to know before you watch the movie. Yes. Well, to go back and to keep in mind when you go back to watch it, at least. Yeah. And Bill Murray had a Japanese phrase book called making out in Japanese (laughs) (laughs) in which he would go around sushi restaurants and ask the chefs, quote, if they had a curfew or if they would mind if he, quote, used protection. <laughs> he even mentioned on the Graham Norton show, they had learned a phrase along the lines of, who do you think you're talking to? And would mention it's the fear of others. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> uh, but there really isn't a lot of trivia about this movie. This movie is really a series of scenes, yeah. I think. And so if you watch it, you kind of get what you get because I'm pretty sure he, he ad-libbed a lot of it. I had the script open when I was watching this movie. He goes off book a whole lot. Really? Oh, yeah. Uh, but let's do a synopsis of this one, courtesy of IMDb, and you'll be surprised. There is not a lot here. Uh, mm, no, there's not. Yeah. Bob, a 55-year-old looking bored, oblivious, is a still famous actor who comes to Tokyo to shoot a commercial for $2 million. As soon as he arrives and is greeted by a bunch of smiling, overly friendly Japanese crew, he gets a fax from his wife, Lydia, who's apparently 45 years old, reminding him that he forgot his son's birthday. Well, it's a way to start off. Yeah, seriously. Kind of dark. You get an idea of what kind of movie this is going to be when the first shot you see is really him just staring out a window looking depressed. Right. And you're like, okay, this is a guy who doesn't know where he's at in his life. Yeah. And he he's almost like a... No, I know you're going to mention something about it in the notes. It almost like the way they talk about him in the movie makes it sound like he was a Burt Reynolds or something like he did a lot of 70s action yeah. type stuff on like TV or movies. But has since kind of like faded away, and you could tell he's the fade has worn on him because I think two people recognize him at the bar at one point, and they're yeah. like, "You're that guy from this." I love that. And he's like, uh-huh, "Yeah, sure." And he just walks away. Yeah, a couple college kids. Yeah, they're like, "We're here for like studying abroad or for business, right?" And they're it's very much like if we were to see like, "Oh my gosh, it's Tom Selleck. Tom Selleck, <laughs> what are you doing here at O'Charlie's?" And he's like, "I'm just visiting family." Yeah, and then then saying, "I loved you for something that you did 30 yeah. years ago, even though you're still working." I loved you on Friends, Tom Selleck. You're like amazing you're, as Magnum PI. Yeah, phenomenal. <laughs> uh, so the next morning, he spots. Sh- now is this this is after he has the moment with the masseuse, and doesn't he do his first thing with Centauri? Before he even um, sees Charlotte? Y- yeah, he may have. He yeah. may, they may have already shown him go in doing the his very first commercial. Right. Which may be my favorite scene of the movie. Is that That's the one where they're saying, we need more mystery, we need more mystery. Right, it's and where he, you meet the director for the first time. And he talks long, and then the interpreter just goes, just look at the camera. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so it's this very just, 
excited, like flamboyant, like, yeah, director. Right. And they said that the uh, director of this movie, I've already forgotten her name. Sophia Coppola. Yeah. They said that she did not tell Bill Murray what the director was telling him <laughs> when he was going on his rant, like in his face after the first few takes, because she's like, I want Bill's uh, confusion to be real. Yes. And so a lot of the times that anybody is just speaking to him quickly in Japanese. He has no idea what they're saying. They haven't told him the context or anything mm -hmm. because they wanted his being lost in translation to be like very genuine and real. Cause like if you watch his face in that, he's, he's just like panning the room, looking at everybody on staff. He's like, I, I don't know. And you're right. The director's just like, look at the camera more <laughs> intensity. Int yeah. Intensity He's like intensity. Yeah, sure. Which if you, if you notice, I mean, cause I read on IMDb what the lines actually were in English that the director was saying. And apparently it was an inside joke that this was a lost in translate because it's not being translated properly at all. Nothing is ever translated properly in this movie. That's amazing. <laughs> uh, the next morning, he spots Charlotte, 25 years old, in the elevator of expressionless Japanese people. Bob, feeling totally oblivious, shoots a whiskey commercial. And this is where he does the whole rat pack. You want Rat Pack? You yeah. Want, yeah. That's actually Dean Martin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the other guy that he goes? You want... Uh, oh, I can't remember. Yeah. It's the one guy in the Rat Pack nobody remembers. He kind of leans back like, uh, this is it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, this is another moment where you're like, okay, we're seeing he's tired of this. He's even saying it. When he's on the phone going, get me out of this country now. I want mm. out now. Until he meets Charlotte. Right. Uh, Bob was asked to channel Roger Moore when shooting the Centauri commercial, but he said he liked John Con or Sean Connery better, which is funny because in the real world, Sean Connery actually did commercials for Centauri whiskey. <laughs> yeah. And I read another thing. It was, you know, like top 15 most interesting things about Lost in Translation. Mm -hmm. And it was saying that Harrison Ford was another person that they told him to like try to channel. Yeah. Because they said at the time of filming, they're like, there were Harrison Ford billboards everywhere oh really something. yeah they said i think harrison ford had gone over and maybe i'm wrong maybe i'm remembering that incorrectly but they said it was like harrison ford also did like sean connery did like commercials for but it's a different bourbon or different whiskey or something yeah and they said that his face was all over japan at the time i'm not hearing that i know sophia coppola wrote this for bill murray but i would venture to say that this movie has a better chance at winning Best Picture if Harrison Ford is the lead because he wasn't coming off of a funny career. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, it was Harrison Ford. It was a Kirin, Kirin Lager Beer. There, if you go, if you type in Harrison Ford Japanese commercial on Google, yeah. a slew of Japanese beer commercials starring Harrison Ford come out. Wow. That's amazing. I, I'm still stuck in the part that if Harrison Ford's in this movie, it wins. You think? I think so because you take away at least 50% of the funny parts and you spend yeah. more time looking at the depression of it. Honestly, yeah. You're, you're, you're honestly probably right. That's, and it's so weird to think because she wrote it for Bill. Yeah. I, I like this version. Oh, I do too. I would probably like the Harrison Ford version better too. But the Academy loves, you know, Manchester by the Sea. Ugh, have you seen that yet? I have not. No, I've, uh. just, I've heard it's just... Like rips your heart out the whole time. If you if you want a movie that starts off depressing and then puts you in a a bout of you know what I just want to end my own life at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Every scene in that movie just takes you deeper and deeper into a depression. Yeah, that's what, like. And when someone told me that, they're like, "It's a great movie." I'm like, "But I don't want to feel that tonight. Like, yeah. I don't want to feel that ever." <laughs> and as much as I like Casey Affleck and the movie really does, like, I feel a draw to it. Mm -hmm. There's so few nights. Where I go home and be like, okay, time to relax. Let's get sad. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's how I like Whiplash because Whiplash is super intense. Uh -huh. But there are, I don't know, like you're, you almost feel energized by the intensity of the movie. It doesn't like fully bring you down. Yeah. So I'm glad that when watching this one, at least, you know, you have Bill Murray to look forward to his little quick one liners. And Bill Murray has, he communicates with his eyes so well. And yeah. And he communicates con confusion really well. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's just him. Perhaps, just well, him. You said earlier he was confused half the time. He didn't know what the hell he would say. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Charlotte <clears throat> is accompanying her husband, John, who is 30 years old and a constantly busy photographer who doesn't pay much attention to her. Uh, he goes to Tokyo to shoot for a few days. She feels sad, lost, and alone in a luxurious hotel. And I don't blame her. She looks, she portrays loneliness better than Bill does. Mm -hmm. uh, every shot of her is just like, you can tell she's like just the accompaniment 
to this trip. And if she could be at home, she would be at home. But they are freshly married, so she feels she has an obligation to be there. And she's bored out of her mind. And arguably one of the coolest cities in the world. Right. And it's funny, Giovanni Ribisi was actually, he was 29. Okay. 30-ish when this movie came out. Yeah. So it's wild. He was actually 30 because he's born in, he's born in 74. 74, 84, 94, 2004. Yeah. Yeah. He was 30. She's 17. I know. I know. I can't get past it right now. No, that, that one really threw me for a loop. After a few days, Bob and Charlotte have a pleasant short conversation in a hotel bar. And for the next few days, they briefly meet, whether accidentally or on purpose, their sympathy for one another grows. Uh, I, I found this thing about the script here, and it's it talks about breaking it down, actually, and that the timeline is the opening image. Uh, it says, Charlotte's on the bed alone is not the film's real opening image. Our opening is Bill Murray looking tired in his cab on the way to the hotel. That's your opener. And then it goes into the theme, which is stayed, which is Bob is confronted with a parcel of floor samples at the hotel, and it concerns a self-identity. You know, who are you? Hey, which one of these carpet samples do you want? The mahogany one, you know, or burgundy, whatever it was. And I love how it comes back later. He's like, I don't don't know. Yeah. I don't know which one I want. Because realistically, he doesn't care. Right. Then there's the setup, which is we meet Bob and look around the hotel. We learn he has a family and he's a movie star. We also meet Charlotte and see she's restless. We learn Bob is here to do an advertisement. We get the idea that both Bob and Charlotte are two lost souls. And then the catalyst, which is Charlotte sends Bob a drink in the hotel, which if you've ever been in a foreign country, it's really funny how quickly you lock eyes with people who are from your origin country. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you have an instant connection that is stronger than you ever expected. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, it's kind of funny. Living in America here, you know, we happen to work in areas where we have a high concentration of Hispanic people. And it's one of those things where you notice that when we have a class full of kids, the Hispanic kids, they always gravitate towards each other if they don't know the language. Right. They're just, they're locked in. And they're, they're like the least likely people to get, get along. You're like, that person and that person, they have nothing in common, but they have the language in common. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's I me mean, even, even, well, we'll say it, among the whites. The you whites? Know, you say like... Yeah, the, them I'm, Europeans? Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm sure, I mean, you're, you were in Michigan and Florida. Mm-hmm. I'm sure like when you meet someone from Michigan or someone from Florida, it's like, oh, yeah, we actually, like you... You don't think I'm crazy when I mention this place that right. is just from up there. Or if I'm, I mean, I'm from Tennessee, but if I say, oh, you know, Barberitos in East Tennessee, if there's one person that knows what that restaurant is, I get so like warm inside. <laughs> Your best friends for 45 minutes. Yeah. And like you actually have something to talk about. And th- I mean, there's something about, and you know, this maybe just is, a, you know, more hidden theme, not maybe not even a hidden theme of the movie, but just yeah. like relationships and connections and, um, like the intangibles of that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. This is a movie that I would love to have. I th- This is one of those movies where if I could make a list of movies that teachers in Title I schools should watch, it's this. Yeah. Because okay. you're dealing with a lot of kids who don't speak the language a lot. Yeah. And y- y- we are always looking for a way to connect with them. And the connection is usually in the classroom. It's just like... Oh, God, now the kid's talking all the time. Well, because that's the only connection they have. Yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> Charlotte invites Bob to join her and friends for a party. She shows up in that, like, <laughs> urban camo, orange-yellow. And she mocks the fact he's having a midlife crisis. Yeah. And what's he do? He turns it inside out to make it yeah. look even worse. She gets the tag off, which is, like, a strangely, like, intimate. Like, they're very fir- one of their first, like, weirdly, like, non-threatening or anything but like intimate moments it's not weird she's like just cutting the tag off of his shirt yeah like they have so many small connections throughout this movie that are i don't know they're very unique it moves i'll say this i know how comfortable i am with people getting close to me if i met someone who was 40 years my my junior or 40 years my senior uh it'd take more than a day for them to cut the tag off my shirt yeah it's just maybe it's because I'm a person who just likes their personal space. Mm-hmm. Could be, but that connection's met really, really quickly, which shows the desperation on her part. Yeah, or just like how drained they are already, just being in this foreign country. Yeah, and Bill Murray's a charming fella. Mm-hmm. I mean, every line he says just knocks it out of the park. Uh, they have a great time together. I think this is the night they go karaokeing. Yep, they go karaokeing, and then like the. 
the uh, arcade bar. Yeah, just the massive arcade. Which at the time, I'm sure in America was like, "Ooh, that's cool." We don't have those really. No, and now they're kind of everywhere. Yeah, like Dave and Buster's yeah. and, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I uh, and we should note interspersed between this entire plot are moments where they are by themselves dealing with all the cultural problems that they don't normally deal with. And like the separation of like the broken communication, relationship, whatever it may be with their spouse. Yes. Like there's some disconnect going on in both of their lives. Yeah, you don't... And here's the thing. It's never fully fleshed out. You never truly know what it is. And maybe that's the point is it doesn't matter. It's just this is where they are. Right. Um, Normally, I would say this is a problem in the movie because we don't know the why. Mm -hmm. But we don't need to know the why. The why is not important here. It's understanding what it feels like to be lost in translation, whether it's culturally, language-wise, linguistically. I was like language-wise. Language-wise. Linguistically. That's a nice big word. Uh, <laughs> uh, but their, their understanding of each other's feelings deepens, uh, which is funny because at a point, Charlotte says, I went to a funeral or was it a wedding? And she didn't feel anything. Oh, yeah. She was on the phone, I think, with her roommate from back home or her mother. But she's crying on the phone because she's like, I went to this one thing and I didn't feel a thing. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, don't worry about it. You know, it'll pass. You'll be fine and all that. But that's kind of where she's at. And the only time that she's feeling anything is when she's around Bob. Yeah. Um, Charlotte reveals to him her fear of not knowing what to do with her life. He tells her about the scary and troubling parts of his marriage. And after going back to his room, Bob tries to share his emotions about the party with his wife over the phone. But she remains cold and talks about her daily routine. There was, I think there was more to that. There, there has to have been something that happened between the he between Bob and his wife. That again, it's one of those things we don't really know about. Because he comes home drunk and then he calls her. Yeah, he's clearly hammered on the phone. Mm-hmm. Well, because I mean, what time is it there? And maybe that's like their yeah typical time that they call each other. Four twenty, <laughs> like I said earlier. Oh yeah, <laughs> the fax starts coming in at the very uh, beginning. Four twenty in the morning. <laughs> I didn't notice that. <laughs> um, yeah, this. I, I do wonder sometimes about Lydia and what, what's going on there, but you can tell after he's off the phone, he I think he he almost did it as, I feel like I have to do this, mm-hmm. and she's basically calling him out on it, going, you've got kids, and you feel like you have to do this. Right. Uh, the next day, Charlotte travels to Kyoto, and Bob appears as a guest in a popular but meaningless Japanese show. And it's at this point where I, I started to say to myself, I'm noticing that a lot of this stuff is basically caricatures of Japanese life, according to an American. Because not every TV show is this bombastic. Right. But is that like the only show that he could get on? He could get on at his age. And (laughs) I mean, again, he's towards the end of his career, not doing anything big anymore. Yeah. He's not going to get on there, you know, at the time, David Letterman or. It's the super duper hugs a lot show. (laughs) Something like that. I don't know. But. You can tell he's just not thrilled to be there. He's like, I have to do this also. Mm-hmm. Um, they're st- still desperate about his appearance in that show. He finds himself again in the hotel bar. Charlotte is not there, but guess who is? Sausalito. <laughs> I, I don't know. I feel like I could have done without her in this movie. Didn't need this. No. Didn't need this. But when I saw her, I was like, yeah, this would be the only place she could get a job, probably. Yeah. Singing in a lounge in Japan. Yeah. Uh. And if you watch any American television or movies about Japan, you would know immediately, or you would think you would know immediately that they are huge into singing and karaoke. Yeah. <laughs> that is apparently, they drink and they do that and they go to strip clubs. That, that's apparently all of Japanese life, according to American television and movies, uh, which, uh, guess what? That's not it at all. I wish we had Sam here because Sam loves him some Japan. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Bob tries to, okay, so... Yeah, he's there. Charlotte's not at the bar. Singer from a hotel approaches him, and the two have a very brief affair. He and I didn't see that coming. No, I did not. I, I thought he was going to turn her away. Actually, like, listen, you're someone my age, and I don't want you. I want Charlotte. That's where I was expecting him to go. But alas, he wakes up and he hears her singing poorly, <laughs> <laughs> and there's a knock at the door, and it's Charlotte. And uh, Charlotte hears the singing also, and. Well, Charlotte's pissed too. She says, "Well, she is a little bit closer to your age. You yeah, all, I'm sure, y'all have a lot of stuff to talk about, like <laughs> what it was like growing up in the fifties. Or <laughs> they they spend a lot of time bickering that 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 uh-huh. that lunch. In fact, it was a very uncomfortable lunch, but you could tell they couldn't escape it because they have nowhere else to go. Yeah. Oh, that that sucks. But like, you feel everything through the screen. Yes. 
Like every awkward moment, every uncomfortable situation, you feel that at home. Oh, yeah. And I think that's what this movie does the best. It's like, I've never been in this situation, but I <laughs> somehow relate to everything that's happening. Yeah. I. Uh, <laughs> there is one very funny part I find in this, and that is where he puts, puts on the menu, and there's eight pictures. They all look the, the same. exact same thing. <laughs> she goes... I don't know what all these are. They're all the same. And she goes, he goes, I got it. a number two. Give us two of them. <laughs> said, two, he says, like, points to the menu. He goes, two of these. Yeah. <laughs> two of these. And they bring it out instantly. That or it was just like a very, like, Raw. super uh, smooth transition. But it's almost like they picked up the menus, turned around, food is there. Yes. Because it's and almost like everything's the same. Like, we knew what you were going to order. We only offer one thing. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe that's it, is that. Everything is the same except for what's at the table right now. This has changed. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last evening, he admits that he wishes to stay in Tokyo with her. Okay. They both know their wish is just a romantic fantasy. Should be noted again, she is playing 23 years old here. Mm-hmm. Okay. They stay without words, holding each other's hand, and kiss gently goodbye. Very, very sweet. Very sweet evening after an awful lunch. Yeah. Uh, before he leaves the next morning, he calls to see her again. They say bye without a kiss, both embarrassed, not knowing exactly how to react. She walks away on the way to the airport. He spots her from the car. He rushes toward her. They embrace warmly. He whispers to her, what? Uh, I think Bill, (laughs) they asked Bill Murray and he said, you'll never know. Yeah. Uh, they kiss gently and passionately, and they say goodbye. He observes the city from the car, and he's happy at the moment. This is going to be a fleeting moment. He's got to go back to the doldrums, but at this moment, he is at his happiest he's been in the movie. Yes. Uh, apparently, the kiss between Bill Murray and Scarlett Johansson at the mo- end of the movie was not in the script. Well, as she was 17, perhaps. But was an in-the-moment ad-lib between the performers. When's her birthday? Oh, Maybe she turned 18 right before this. Maybe. Because it was uh, 74, 1974. Yeah. The movie came out in 2003. 18. She turned 18 right before that kiss. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so the movie's over. Uh, were you entertained, Joel? I, <laughs> honestly, like I was. And, you know, we were, we were going back and forth before the show started, and you were you know talking about, like, the Academy and things like that. Like, when I bought this movie, I was buying a bunch of movies that I'd always kind of wanted to see but was never in the mood for. Yeah. And when I saw this was the same time I saw like Capote for the first time. Another heavy one. The first time I ever saw Whiplash, Grand awesome. Budapest Hotel. Uh, wow. Yeah. So you it was went like, on an Oscar run. I did. No, because <laughs> it was just in a time of life. Um, it was like right after college. I was like in this transition in life. I was living by myself in my grandparents' old house. I was in a four-bedroom house alone. Yeah. Trying to get a job, and I had actually maybe just gotten my first job. Okay. So it was like things were starting to pick up, and I was like, watch this, and I was like, it was during, it was when you're in Oscar mood. Yeah. You know, we saw, if we were to go see um, Shape of Water right now, we would we would just like spit on the floor, you know, because it, it's like, but when we saw it, we stayed the whole time. We looked at each other. We shrugged. We were there for Oscar season. Basically. It was like, this is Oscar season. Yes. And I watched, um, what was the movie everyone made a big fuss about with about the little girl and her mom yelling at each other the whole time? Um, <laughs> oh, uh... They brought Crash into me back. Um, <laughs> Lady Bird. Thank you. And I watched Lady Bird as... This year, on when it came out on Amazon Prime, yes. it was during summer blockbuster season, and I was like, that movie was kind of lame. Like I just, <laughs> I like I just didn't care much for it. I would have rather watched, um, oh, the movie that we, you and I saw at uh, the Franklin Theater, the one they did like the small oh, show about. Yeah, um, uh, shit. Yeah, we're doing a very bad job plugging that independent movie. Sorry, Power Ranger. Yeah, um, but that movie was that movie was awesome. I was like, that's. The type of independent movie I'd rather see. But when I saw this, I was like, that was a good, like, Academy movie. And, like, I was entertained because, like, I felt things. I don't know. It was, there was something weird about this movie that was, again, I've never been in that situation exactly. But when the small scenes that you were talking about happen, you're like, I relate to that somehow. I relate to that somehow. Yeah. So I was. Okay. Um, I was, I was entertained by it. I wasn't, you know, you know, like, knee slapping entertained by it, but I was like, (laughs) I was captured by it, I guess. Uh, I hear you. Yeah, I, I, 
I was entertained. It, it can be a little heavy sometimes mm-hmm. uh, it, when you start to think about throughout the movie. And if you try, start to overanalyze it, it gets really, really dark. Uh, but uh, I was entertained. I this And to be honest, to everybody out there, this yesterday was literally the first time I sat through this movie all the way through. Yeah. Uh, I'd seen snippets here and there, and I, it couldn't catch my interest. And I'm, I'm really glad I finally saw it. Uh, I don't know why it took so long, but maybe just because this life gets in the way. Yeah. Uh, but let's find out if the awards got it right. Okay, this thing was nominated for four Academy Awards. In a pretty heavy year for movies. Uh, yeah. Uh, best Picture, Lord of the Rings won for Return of the King. That was the year I think it tied Titanic for all its wins. I, I remember... Not really watching the Academy Awards, but it was on in the background. And every time I turned around, I was like, Peter Jackson, <laughs> Peter Jackson, <laughs> costume design. Yeah, it was the uh, shape of water of that year. Yeah, better, <laughs> better than better. Yeah. But do you think Lost in Translation should have been the winner there over uh, Return of the King? Or do you think Return of the King just uh, justly won it as a picture? Because I thought they gave it to Lord of the Rings as more of a. Listen, you've done something we've never seen before. We're going to give you all these ones. Yeah, I mean, Lord of the Rings, Return of the King is a good movie. Um, that's the one I've probably seen the least out of all of them. Yeah. It, it's a great it's a great film, but you know, you have to go back and look at it. It's like, does Return of the King work by itself? I don't think so. That's the thing. Like, if you go in not knowing about Gollum and not knowing about, you know, the whatever, the necromancers going into the Shire. Yes, If you yeah. don't know about all that stuff, like, Return of the King's probably very confusing. Yeah. So, so when you go, you know, based on the movie itself, you know, I'm more likely to just watch Lost in Translation as a more complete movie than I am Return of the King. But Return of the King is a classic, and maybe I... But it's like, it's a movie you, you marathon. Yes. Like, on a sick day or a snow day. Or a Sunday. I don't know. Like a day where you just have time. <laughs> yeah. And then best actor in a leading role, Sean Penn won for Mystic River. Have you ever seen Mystic River? I've not seen Mystic River. That's a really heavy movie, but it's really, really good. Yeah. Uh, but that one, and Bill Murray was up for that. Uh, and Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp was up for best actor in a leading role for Curse of the Black Pearl. That was the first time we'd seen him done the pirate. Was that uh, Curse? Was that the first? That was pirates? the first time we seen him. That was a good one. That, which he deservedly should have been nominated yeah. for. He, but then after that was a caricature. Yep. Uh, I, I think Sean Penn should have won for Mystic River, but Bill Murray is damn close. Mm-hmm. Damn close. Uh, l- best writing for an original screenplay. Lost in Translation wins this one over Finding Nemo, The Barbarian Invasions, Dirty Pretty Things, and In America. Three movies I've never seen and Finding Nemo. Yeah, I'd, I've <laughs> never heard of the other three. So yeah, Finding Nemo is good. Uh, but is if you're going original screenplay, Lost in Translation is a great screenplay. Exactly. I think it's I think it's amazing. And uh, best director Peter Jackson, of course, wins this one over Sofia Coppola, uh, which it's Peter Jackson. He was going to win it anyway. Right. He could have put a, he could have put a two and a half hour poop on the screen, yep. and they've been like, you know what? He did something we've never seen before, <laughs> filming all two of those movies in that gigantic poop yep. for two, for one and a half years. And we all watched it exactly. Know? Now we go to the Golden Globes. They had five nominations. I'm not going to go through all of them, but it won for best performance by an actor in a motion picture, comedy, or musical. For Bill Murray. Is this a comedy? Huh. Or is this like The Martian where they put The Martian in a comedy also? See, I've never seen The Martian. Okay. That's one that I actually do really want to see. Um, it's got... It's not a comedy. No, it's, it's... It's a drama that has funny parts. It's like a... A dramedy. Yeah, but I mean, like, if you're going to put this in a comedy, then you need to put three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri as a comedy too. Yeah, because when you look what look at what it's up against. Bill Murray wins over Jack Black for School of Rock. A classic. Johnny Depp for Pirates of the Caribbean. Billy Bob Thornton for Bad Santa and Jack Nicholson for Something's Gotta Give. One of these movies does not belong. (laughs) 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 And it's Lost in Translation. (laughs) Yeah. Clearly Lost in Translation was Lost in Translation with the Golden Globes. I see what you did there and I agree. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, Best performance by an actress in a motion picture comedy or musical diane keaton won over <laughs> jamie lear curtis for freaky friday diane lane for under the tuscan sun scarlett johansson for lost in translation and helen mirren for calendar girls again something does not belong here <laughs> not a comedy nope and then we got best director peter jackson wins that one again and lot uh, best screenplay it it wins that one for lost in translation yep. have you seen cold mountain uh is that the one with the uh, uh nicole kidman Jude Always? Law, another Jude Law movie. Is that no the one watched. Coal Mines? Yes. I think so. Okay. And then Love Actually was up for that one screenplay. And I love Love Actually. 
Is it the one where she goes into the coal mines and she's a lady working and everyone's like, ladies don't belong in the coal mines? Uh, it's the one where she's watching over the entire homestay while her husband's at the war. Nope. Oh. I don't know which one I'm thinking of. Okay. <laughs> uh, best screenplay at one and uh, best motion picture at one for a comedy or musical. And here's what Lost in Translation beat out. Big Fish, Love Actually, Bend It Like Beckham, and Finding Nemo. <laughs> it's a man big fish was weird big fish was really weird that was a tim burton one wasn't it that was that was big fish is another one i think that i rented during this whole cycle i was like i need to watch the movies i never <laughs> thought i'd watch and i was like Ugh. <laughs> so it got its awards in fact i think it won over a hundred awards at all the awards things imaginable so it, it did its due okay on to our next segment titled top three bottom three this is where we talk about the three things we want to highlight in this movie and then we go over the three things that are bad unforgivable or downright travesties let's start with the top three joel um, my top three is on my phone, and I'm pulling it up now. Um, <laughs> load, you old phone. Um, uh, my number three, I love that this movie was shot on film. Okay. So the whole movie, and that's like a really weird... I was going to say, you've never used that as a top no, three before. <laughs> no, I haven't. Like, And these might sound like pretty white bread like answers, but... When I was watching this, I was like, I love the way this movie looks. Okay. And I think that if this was the entire thing were crystal clear, I think maybe Japan would have been a little too overwhelming for me. It would have felt more like a blockbuster, like they were just pouring money into it. Yeah. But something about it being shot on film, being just a little bit grainy, a little bit shaky at times. Um, I, I, I like the shots at the very end when it's panning across the city. Mm -hmm. Something about like just the way everything looked. Yeah. I was like, this was shot perfectly. Um, and I thought that it really like brought out the story and kind of like wrapped everything up well. Um, my number two, Bill Murray is great. Um, <laughs> and but even like young Scarlett Johansson before this before I saw this movie, I cared nothing for Scarlett Johansson. Okay, like I did not like her at all. I just didn't like the way she presented herself. I don't I don't know what it was. Maybe I just like was maybe I just judged too soon. I hadn't watched any of the Avengers anything yet. I just like her persona was very just like meh. She, it was like a you get away from me, and I was like fine. Yeah. Um, but I'm hot. I, you're not. That's yeah. how it's gonna be. Yeah. yeah. And like when I watched this, I was like, oh, there's like a human under there, and like <laughs> yeah. and it made her very real to me. And so her performance was great. Bill Murray's was amazing, and I don't. Now save that for my bottom. Three. Okay. <laughs> um, and my number one is just like a mesmerizing film. And it's just, you know, like you said, it's just a lot of, it's kind of like a lot of scenes put together, mm -hmm. but I love the ending. The ending's probably my favorite part. Okay. Um, like the embrace at the end, something about it, just like, ooh, like I didn't expect, because usually I don't get like too deep into like love stories or anything like that. There's something about like that last scene that's just like, oh, wow. Like, yeah, you get that closure and it's very real. It's you know, it doesn't feel too Hollywood. It feels like they say, like, Bill, like, say your goodbye. You do you. Yeah, and <laughs> he did it perfectly. And so that last scene is um, my favorite. Okay. My honor I'm going to do an honorable mention, oh. which is the very beginning with the director. Like, I love that scene with the director. <laughs> where, he, where the director's just, like, yelling at him, and Bill Murray has no idea. Okay, all what right. about yours, though? Uh, okay, my number three, three Bill Murray's great. My, is my number, Bill Murray. And realistically, his first truly serious role. His humor isn't in what he says. It's the situations uh, in this it, it, that this lost, older American is placed in. Because if you try those same jokes in an English setting, it doesn't work. You need the confusion. Mm -hmm. So that works out great. My number two is there's a golfing shot in this where he's on the fairway and he drives and he's driving to Mount Fuji. Oh, yeah. And it is so pretty. <laughs> I forgot about that scene. I love this scene. A beautiful shot. It's amazing, yeah. Uh, and my number one is the idea that two people who have nothing in common other than their country of origin could attract to each other so seamlessly. Mm -hmm. I really liked that. Uh, so those are my top three. Okay, on to the bottom three, Joel. Get um, that phone out. My bottom three, you know, um, it, this was my bottom three before we talked during the show. I feel like I don't know if this movie works without Bill Murray. Okay. Um, that's part of it. But then I'm like, yeah, I can't hold that against him because that means that they're casting well. Exactly. It's like, I don't think, if, well, let's go back to Whiplash. Does Whiplash work without J.K. Simmons or well, Miles Teller? Could and, you say this movie wouldn't work without ScarJo? Could you put anybody else in that role? Thing, like, in, so like, that's what I was thinking. I was like, you know what? Then that should be probably for my top three, which is 
the casting, which I guess was my number two. Yeah. So for my number three, I'll say um, the the kind of like the cheeky Japanese, like the way they. I don't feel like I'm getting a great representation of the Japanese. So the way they were they were presented was uh, disingenuous, right? But at the same time, like you watch movies that take place in like inner city America and like New York City. It's like, yeah, every person that lives in New York City doesn't talk like this, and they don't wear like, <laughs> you know, Yankee ball caps and sneakers right. and eat, yeah. you know, pastrami. Um, yeah, where's the Buffalo Bills fans? Yeah, and <laughs> exactly. Um, but I think that you know, it goes back to I've watched a couple movies of like where I feel like when the Japanese people are on set, I'm like, I'm very aware that I'm watching Japanese actors. Okay, actually, like I, that's my one qualm with the movie Silence. I think the movie Silence, other than being really long, um, it's like the the people that they get, the Japanese people that they get to communicate, I'm like, that's, that person's acting. Like, there's a camera in front of them. And so, like, I never really buy in okay. to everything that the Japanese actors are doing, um, except for, like, when they're just being, like, totally ridiculous, like, on the game show. I was like, that's a pretty funny scene. And yeah. the people that are showing them around. But, I mean, the ladies in the back that, like, can't hold it together when <laughs> uh, he's talking to that one guy on the bench, which is another phenomenal scene that we didn't get to talk about. I'm going to get to that in a second. Um, <laughs> my number two, I don't like his mean wife. Lydia's a bitch. She's so mean. Just cold. But you here's the thing. You also don't know what he has done to get her to that point. And, and, I, and I know that. And maybe my bottom three is like, I don't get the whole story. And that's it. We talked and, about it earlier. The why. Yeah. And <laughs> But like, I don't know. Like, I hate anytime he picks up the phone. I'm like, he's going to get yelled at. I don't like It's like, I, I watched so much Everybody Loves Raymond. But every time I watch Everybody Loves Raymond, I was like, quit yelling at each other. Like, I just don't like, I don't like <laughs> tension. I'm a non-confrontational person. Um, and my number one, I hate that he sleeps with a lounge singer. Yeah, that's I out hate of place. That he sleeps with her. I think that, that that bothers me more than anything in this movie. And maybe that's part of it because then it opens up to like the relationship that he and Scarlet or Charlotte have uh, at the end of the movie, where it's like forgiveness and like they really do like care for each other. But man, I was like, man, that's I hate I that I hate that part of the yeah. movie. That's my number one, hands down. Uh, final answer all right uh my number three is sometimes the movie romanticizes the culture of tokyo a little too often in setting up scenes Mm -hmm. like i said earlier how japan is a character in this movie that takes up a lot of screen time doesn't need to be it doesn't need to do that uh that being said if you take away even half those scenes now you have an hour-long movie (laughs) yeah uh my number two the two ladies at the hospital (laughs) that start to lose their shit when murray is improvising lines (laughs) with a smaller japanese gentleman this is funny as hell to watch but don't know if this is missing the in editing or not i have no idea because i think i was supposed to focus on murray trying to connect with a gentleman but all i could see was the ladies breaking character the entire time (laughs) and that little dude he's talking to may also be one of the funniest characters in this movie <laughs> yes. and i have you have no idea what he's saying no but that's what comedy is like you can't i don't know you can't fit comedy into a box and that guy's so funny you have no idea what he's saying yeah but yeah the ladies in the background just yucking it up they, they like can, i didn't i know like i was watching i was like i need to send joel this video yeah and you did I was like, <laughs> i've never gosh that they don't even try to hold it together <laughs> it's so obvious <laughs> like it's something you would see on a blooper reel yeah like the the outtakes of Grandmaster in Ragnarok <laughs> fit better into a movie than this did. Uh, and my number one is who the hell drinks wine out of a wooden cup that's cubic? Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. Be American. Grab that bottle. <laughs> and just drink from the mouth. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> that was odd. <laughs> okay. Yeah, let's spill. get into our rating system. We use an A to F scale here on the movie planet. A C is considered average. A is the highest. F is the lowest. If the movie is so bad it receives Fs from all the hosts. Goes to a new category of movie, the movie planet global killer. A category of movie where you can watch it ironically and have an amazing time at how bad it is. But the question is, what do you give Lost in Translation and the drama feature film genre, Joel? Man, um, this is a great movie, and I'm probably going to repeat myself a lot, as I tend to do on the podcast, <laughs> but I mean, I'm fully mesmerized by this film. Okay. The relationship between him and Scarlett or Charlotte or whatever you want to call Sometimes I wonder if her name was supposed to be something different, and Bill kept like calling her Scarlett during the filming, and they're like, we're just going to change it to Charlotte. Just go if with it. If he messes it up, then it, no one's going to know. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Like, you're, you're entranced the whole time. This is not a movie you can have your phone out for and fully appreciate it. No. Um, I don't know. Like, I'm, there is something that is very beautiful about this film. 
I think that Bill Murray's extremely genuine. I think that Scarlett Johansson's character is extremely genuine. Everybody's relationship in the movie clicks pretty well. Mm. Anna Ferris was a little different. <laughs> that was out of place. <laughs> it, it was it was honestly like it was her character from Just Friends. Yeah, in it fact, was, what if there was like a parallel universe where that's the, it's the same movie and like she's over in Japan and so like if they do like a Just Friends two, you end up like seeing Bill Murray having coffee with Scarlett Johansson in the background. They're both wearing wedding rings. Scarlett and, Johansson, Ryan Reynolds, Just yeah, Friends. They, they were married. We learned that. And then we could have Anna Faris singing. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. More than it's saying more I'm sorry. Saying sorry. And then, and then that's, that's the movie that they <laughs> dance to at their wedding. Yes. Because they both left their husbands and wives for each other. We've done it. Lost yeah. the translation so, too. Clearly an A. Um, <laughs> no. Um, as, as far as dramas go, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to give it an A minus. Okay. I do I do love this movie. I think it's again it's a beautiful film, um, and I think people should watch it. And I'll explain like more of the audience later. Um, but I watched a drama this week called, finally, it's been on my bucket list, my movie watching list at the top for a long time, called Prisoners. Okay. And yeah. that will make you sweat. And yeah. it's like, <laughs> and so Whiplash, that like back sweat while the movie's going on. <laughs> I, it wasn't, the movie doesn't fully capture like the drama of anything except for the fact like, are these two married people going to have an affair? Okay. And so back and forth during this whole movie, you're like, you know, I hate my biggest bugaboo in any movie is like people cheating on each other. And I adultery. hate it. I hate it. And even like when I was a kid, like before I even knew what relationships were, there was something about it I just hate it. Yeah. And so you would think that like you want to like dislike these characters for being unfaithful, but there's something that's subtle and almost like, not sweet charming, about it. sweet, sweet, but it's innocent. Innocent, yeah. There's something innocent about their relationship because it never goes sexual. No, that it's the whole thing's pretty like if you want to use the word tender, it's kind of tender through the whole thing. So the whole drama is like you hoping that they don't make a mistake, yeah, because then you would like you just totally throw the characters away in your mind. Um, but again, you can't call it a perfect drama because it was nominated for comedy. I think Golden Globe screwed up, though. They did. I mean, I, they wanted to give it to him. They, yeah, exactly. They it won. wasn't going to win in the other one. Let's win it here. Right. And it's an A minus just because it's not a it's not a perfect drama. Yeah, it's a great movie, but I think it just falls short of being like if someone's asking me for a drama to watch. Uh, Lost in Translation is not going to be the first movie I give them. So I'm okay. going to give it, it's a very great movie, yeah. so I'll give it an A-. minus. All right. Well, I'm going to grade this the way a casual viewer would grade this, because I was very casual when I was watching this. Uh, we could go into the aesthetics and deeper meaning of every single scene, but let's be honest, the average person is going to look at this movie very shallowly and get a movie about a guy and a girl who are way apart in age, they get together because of circumstance, grow closer because they're codependent, and then he leaves. Interspersed through the plot are small asides that illustrate how genius Bill Murray is in a foreign country. And playing a fish out of water. In fact, I'd say that Bill Murray could have made a TLC series where he visits a different country and plays the role of the fish out of water. I would watch this. I would, yeah. It would be like uh, strangers getting coffee in the cars yeah, or whatever it is. cars getting coffee. They actually, you. they did this. It was, but it, instead of Bill Murray, they had like Terry Bradshaw and George Foreman. Well, they had, I think, what's his name? Uh, there was a show called An Idiot Abroad. Oh, really? Yes, with Ricky Gervais. And oh Ricky Gervais God. sent his idiot friend to random places without anything That's and just hilarious. be like, you guys stay at this place. Here's your itinerary. And the guy just had to do it. And he had to interact with everybody with a camera crew. That's hilarious. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, Sophia Coppola is a gifted filmmaker and her flares are exhibited throughout the film from the can camera angle, looking into a car window from the side to pushing a characterization of a specific character through a scene that feels misplaced because if you eliminate it, it doesn't change the movie, but ultimately layers the characteristic for better audience understanding. It is a beautiful movie. This movie's pretty, but it falls short of the average film watcher by a hair due to what I think is a lack of rewatchability. Mm. So I'm giving this an A minus for a completely different reason. Okay. But I think if you look at our list, we both give it, this could be an A minus movie. It's right there with Whiplash. Ah, yeah. Interesting. It, it's just below Whiplash because if we both give it an, uh, it's going to be Whiplash and then Lost in Translation with an 11.000. Okay. So it's above Castaway, below Whiplash, which I, I think Whiplash is a better movie, honestly, but... 
Say that you think I think Whiplash is a better movie than oh, Lost yeah. in Translation. Oh, I do too. Um, but yeah, Lost in Translations. You are in the this listen, state. If it listen, if it was Joe and Joel's big old movie podcast, Whiplash would have had a twelve. It would be a twelve, <laughs> indeed. Okay, uh, but it's, we're not every movie goer. But who's to know? I mean, JC said on one of our previous podcasts he was been awfully hard on movies in the past. Yeah. Maybe not, he was he was awfully oh, hard on. This I don't one. know. He, I know he's staying whip, firm with it. Whiplash. Here's the thing. Whiplash. <laughs> What was it? I heard it was someone uh, used it the other day. There, oh, JC, it was JC's quote the other day. What he said, "I agree with everything you all just said. I just don't care. I just don't care." <laughs> he said, "It just doesn't bother me." <laughs> and so he had the same feelings that we had for Whiplash, and we were like, "This is what makes it a great movie." He's like, "It made me feel uncomfortable, and I hated it. I didn't like the ending, yada yada." He's like, "It didn't. So feel, he it didn't like the, the fact side. it was an unhappy ending, right?" But I, in my mind, I'm like, "What a great ending!" Like, it I was amazing. Right. But this is not the Whiplash podcast. Um, this may be the strongest pantheon we have, by the way. Yeah, like look at that thing: Whiplash, Lost in Translation, Castaway, and I Am Sam. Yeah, and I Am Sam will probably get the boot at some point. Probably. I mean, it's a, it's a B. Well, it is at the bottom. Yeah. Let's get our critics' hats off. Do you love this movie? Do you like this movie? Or none of the above, Joel? I love this movie. I do too. I love this movie. This it's is a good movie. This is a fun movie to watch. And now the ultimate question. Would pre-college kids love this movie, like this movie, or none of the above? It, yeah, I really liked it when you <laughs> sent me this question. I, I think that they might like it. Okay. But I, yeah, I texted my, one of my friends and I said, you should watch as much as you've been traveling for work. You should watch Lost in Translation. Yeah. Because he got married, and right before he got married, he got a brand new job, and they've sent him to like Boston and Louisville every week, except for the 4th of July, since he's been married. So like he got married, like has a wife, now you have to leave. And so he's <laughs> he's been out of town every weekend, every week except for one. Wow. Like living out of hotels yeah. and going to meetings and all this stuff. I was like, you should watch Lost in Translation. And <laughs> yeah. This is a movie that you get into more of an appreciation for after you've been uncomfortable in college, after you've had to meet new people, uh, after you've had your heart broken a couple times, after you've had to have a few hard goodbyes, um, made relationships that just didn't work or that couldn't work that you really wanted to make work. Um, and I, th so I think before you have all those experiences, this is just Bill Murray in Japan. Yeah. And you don't get the depth of it. So I think, you know, kids, if you're listening to this, it is a really good movie. You're probably not going to enjoy it right now. You should go ahead and watch it if you want. Uh, we spoiled everything for you. Um, <laughs> but, but, but at least now as a kid, you may be able to get, get the stuff. Yeah. And so, I mean, I think this is more a movie for post-college kids. Okay. What I'm, about you? I'm going to say the older the kid is, the more they can appreciate it. Mm -hmm. Uh, but otherwise, I think this is a none of the above. Honestly, I, I, I would recommend this to my eighth graders to see. Uh, and I think that unless the kid is a senior and has, a, and, and has gone on trips abroad, they're not going to really understand. I mean, they're going to laugh at Bill Murray being funny amongst people who are not speaking English. Mm -hmm. But realistically, that, there's a hell of a lot more to this movie than that. Uh, so this is none of the above. I would not. But here's the thing, kids. If you're out there, if you're listening, if you are a senior, junior, sophomore, freshman, Eighth, seventh, sixth, if you're fifth, what are you listening to this for? Um, <laughs> go play. Go outside and play, damn it. Um, <laughs> put this in your mental queue to eventually revisit and go, okay, I remember hearing about this. Let's check it out. This is a movie that picks you. You don't pick it. This is like, you will know when it's time to watch this movie. I like it. You know, like, that's how Capote was for me. Okay. I was like, it's time for me to watch this very sad film. <laughs> like, <laughs> It's time for me to watch like a dark movie at home. Yes. Um, Capote is on the same level of darkness as this is, except Capote has no humor in it. <laughs> no, none at all. <laughs> yeah, that movie's hard. Well, do you want to close us out? Yeah, let's do it. Ooh. Little, little mood music um. there. Shasha, shasha. All right, well, that's all we've got time for today, Movie Planeteers. Next week, Joe will be doing the Bracket Show for the month of September. So if you haven't voted yet, get those votes in. It's probably on the Instagram somewhere or on some type of social media. Find the link, go to it, get your votes in. There's no electoral college, so every vote counts. Boom! 
Following that, Joe and JC, and maybe another host we shall see, will be reviewing 1964's Fistful of Dollars, uh, Clint Eastwood Western. Yes. If you have any suggestions for movies you'd like us to review, you can email the Movie Planet using the address movieplanetpodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to pass the word on to your friends about the show. Subscribe on iTunes, uh, Overcast, Stitcher, Google Play, Podbean, Spotify. All of them! Uh, and help the show get on its feet with a four or five star review. Uh, maybe share it on one of your little My Stories. They have that feature. Hey, that's nice. Um, tweet us with any questions, comments, theories, and we will try to jam them and fit them and shape them, mold them like young minds Ooh, I like into that. the show uh, next time the, uh, the show is on air. Send those tweets to at MoviePlanetPod and like us on Facebook and Instagram using the links in the show notes. Special thanks to Twisterium. <laughs> Uh, Sound J and Sound J Music for providing our intro music. Thanks for listening and happy Planet Podcast. Wait. <laughs> Gosh, it is it muscle memory. Son of a gun. Thanks for listening to the Movie Planet Podcast and happy movie watching. Happy movie watching. Bye, Steve. We're out.